Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast, where we discuss the history of plants from a magical perspective. We'll be exploring the history, lore, and mystical properties of a new plant every single week. I'm your host, Juliette Diaz, an indigenous Taino bruja and seer. And I'm your host, Chelsea Selby, owner of occult bath and body brand, Witch Baby Soap and Lifelong Witch. Welcome to Elder Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about the very, very... What? What is it? I said mandrake. <laughs> yes, we're going to be talking about the very, very popular mandrake, like super popular, witchiest of the witching, witchy things. <laughs> its uh, scientific name is Mandragora Athicnara. Athicnarum. Yeah. Or Atropa Mandragora, right. which sounds like a magical spell. It does. The whole, everything about the mandrake is magical. Yeah, it's it's full of folklore and magic and a lot of things that, quite frankly, I didn't know. I've never really been called to work with mandrake, so have you have you ever even seen a mandrake in real life? Yeah, I actually grow them. I tried growing I, out of, like, six. I grew two, and my, where I lived in the project housing and around the cemetery, they had mandrakes. I didn't even know there were mandrakes because you can't, you wouldn't know unless you learn about them by looking yeah. at them. My mom use them, uses them a lot for Ruheria. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, okay, so I've never seen one in real life, IRL. I've never seen a mandrake. Ooh, I got to get you a mandrake. We got to grow some in your backyard. No, I don't know. I, I I grew some foxglove on the side of my house. It just set off all of my bells and whistles of like a lot. It just was like, I don't know, foxglove. It, I was so nervous about it for some reason. I don't, I was like, I have this plant in my garden and it was just like really setting me off. I don't know. What the foxglove? I don't know if I'm a poison plant gardener. No, it is. I was just going to say it is. It's very toxic. <laughs> I had when I before, you know, I, I researched or knew how toxic the foxglove was. I would keep them in my home when I was young. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I started having pets, it was like I had to, like, make sure the pets couldn't get to them. But yeah, foxgloves are very, very protective of the home. So I love that you have them outside the home. Oh, I know, but they have, they have like a very dark energy. <laughs> like, it's like consuming. Well, like the mandrake, right? Because the the energy is similar because their main prior their main way of growth, like their growth in general, and their way of um, of working spiritually with people or with the earth is in shadow beneath in the roots. Yeah, I don't think I can handle another. Like, I, I, I think I'm just gonna stick with like my sunflowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty intense to work with. I'm actually really excited. Hopefully, uh, I get to build the greenhouse in my home, and um, I'll be able to grow them in there. But- yeah, I, I think eventually I will get. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was very weird. But you know what? You can buy them at Home Depot. How about that? What, mandrakes? No. Oh, foxgloves. I was about to say, huh? And they're just on the ground for like any two-year-old to touch, which is insane. You could also buy wolfsbane there. That's insane. Because it's, it's a, you know, a deer, a deer resistant plant. Yeah. My husband is like, nope, you're not putting any of those to hurt the animals. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I I love darker, mysterious poison plant. I'm just obsessed with them. Um, And I want to work with them forever just because I'm used to being in that space, Mm -hmm. you know, from like trauma and like sadness and, and hurt and pain. I feel like I can connect to the realm that they vibrate on and I get a lot of vision. I get a lot of clarity through working with these plants. I love them in theory. Like my daughter loves hot chocolate in theory. Like she'll ask for one, but then she won't drink the whole thing. (laughs) She likes two sips. Really good. So I say, she goes, I love hot chocolate. And I say, yeah, you do in theory. 
<laughs> I, I, I really do adore poisonous plants and I love to learn about them. But as far as being a poison plant keeper, it's just, I don't think, especially as like a mom who has a bunch of kids over here all the time, it's just not for me. So I kind of want to save the pan, the mandrake in this episode because the way it's been worked with or used, um, and after having worked with the mandrake and channeling, I find there's a discrepancy of how the mandrake likes to be worked with and how people are working with the mandrake. Hmm, I am very interested to hear this. Let's get started. Okay, so it is sacred to Mercury and Hecate. Um, can be offered to Hathor and Nana Baruku. And it's also a moon Saturn plant. Yeah. A lot of psychedelic plants are assigned to the moon. So this is a psychedelic, if you, if you didn't know. It's, uh, it's one of the like OG flying ointment ingredients along with like belladonna. That's right. That's kind of where I first started hearing the association and like the magical community with it. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, we took, we did build on it, right? So we covered, yeah. yeah, we covered all of that. That was a fun one. Yeah. And then you see the same in the scientific name, the Atropa yeah. is also in Belladonna. So yeah. they're like, you know, BFFs or whatever. This, <laughs> this has a lot of interesting folklore and associations one thing that i would like to add though and i didn't see is i just saw the moon saturn associations i think that this has venusian properties oh that is interesting oh it does it it does go ahead it has fertility properties it has it's also an aphrodisiac yes so uh, some of the names that it's been called by are, of course, Mandrake. And then you have Abu Lara, which is master of the life breath in old Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, Satan's apple, man root, <laughs> devil's testicle, Circe's plant, Alarun, which means the whispering of the elves by the Germans. Mm. So it has a lot of like, there's, we're, we're all over the place here. Devil's penis. The devil's testicle. Yeah. I even found a thing that said it was said that it draw, that it grows from the ejaculated sperm from men hung on the gallows. Yeah. I, I, I have that story here. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like they're so, blood, yeah, they're blood and all of that. So let's get So if you look at the plant, it's, it's got big, uh, leafy, weedy wheat like the the leaves on it are really big they're like lettucey they're like leafy and then the flowers are kind of like these beautiful star-shaped violet bluish violet flowers Mm -hmm. and it grows these fruits that look like green tomatoes pretty much apparently the devil's testicles (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't they be red I, I don't know. I, here we are. <laughs> the devil's going through a goblin core phase. So, <laughs> you know, what I found really interesting, I saw TikTok about the devil and like how people describe the devil. And, you know, they say the devil is like this evil, this evil being that will like ruin your life. But the devil is an herbivore. The devil has like is always portrayed as like this goat with flat teeth and you know all of these things. I just find it very interesting that the devil would be a, or an herbivore because that's like so docile. Mm. Yeah, I don't believe in the devil. So it's like I do believe though people who believe in the devil and however they see the devil in their heads or what they believe it to look like it's you know thoughts are a power whatever you have in your imagination whatever you believe in you put out there so it becomes real right so it's always interesting for me to see how it, the devil's portrayed like through history and folklore and even in modern day it's always different 
what I think is there's a definite archetype of a devil of, of multiple devilish energies that people could put their energy to. And that almost in some type of way, it becomes like spiritual AI. Yeah. Like if enough people believe in this one idea, the energy like pools and then almost in a way like becomes like intelligent or divine, like AI would. No, for sure. Like that's why it's so dangerous, like with cults or even with religion, it has like so much, a huge amount of people believing in their texts and these beings and entities that it becomes real in their world. Yes. And, and you know, it's so interesting because that's even like, oh, my, my um, cuckoo clock's going off. But that's, it's so interesting because even like H, like some people have said that they've worked with characters of like HP Love, Lovecraft novels. Uh huh. Uh, like the Kraken, <laughs> Cthulhu or whatever. Is the Kraken? No, it's the Kraken from H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know. I'm not a Lovecraftian person. Um, but like Cthulhu and all those things have really become like an archetype in itself that people put that energy into. And, you know, some people have said that they've worked with those energies and whether that's like, maybe you would ascribe a demigod or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's a, it's an energy that was created by the people. And I mean, essentially it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg when it comes to gods? Like, did we create the gods or did the gods create us? I don't fucking know, you know? Yeah, it's you. That's what when I write my message, mainly when it comes to witchcraft and I write in my books is you can literally work with anything or anyone. Um, just a, a, everything has a spirit. Everything has energy. So even with nature, there's such an abundance of spirit and energy that you can work with on there alone. Like even rocks or stones, river stones, for instance, you can worship a river stone. You can create a, a strong, powerful relationship with the river stone to the point that that becomes like your deity, for instance, or something that you worship. Mm-hmm. So with my, with my recent book, I talk about turning that energy towards yourself as in self-worship to have that manifestation of all the desires you have within yourself become a reality. And it's, it works in that same way. When you focus your energy and believe in it so much, it just starts to become a reality, which is really powerful in itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, the the idea of like energy work and, and deity work and all of that stuff. It just like intertwines in such an interesting way. But also I think that some people are like, no, this is exactly the way it is, especially in like the magical community. Uh, people will be like, no, my way is right and your way is wrong and this is the way it is. And of course, there's some people that are just fucking out there mm-hmm. and they're just like fleecing people, like scammers. And well, we just have to have the boss to say, shut the fuck up more often. Yeah. Leave me the fuck alone. I practice the way I want to practice. This is my intimate relationship with my magic. We shouldn't be getting or interfering in other people's practices. The thing is, right, that now it's become this norm that when you start practicing something right away, you you become like this expert and you want to start teaching it or talking about it on social media. You do not have to put it out there. You do not have to share your passions and your crafts. You do not have to tell people how to practice, allow people to find their way with, especially with their intimate relationships with magic and, and, and how they build their practices. Right. I've, I've learned a lot from being in this community that teaching is not the way to go. It is the worst, the worst thing you can do. It's teachers particular way of practicing because you're hindering that person's ability to tap into their truth and what actually connects to them. We're not all the same. Yeah. So that's what I like. I like community sharing. I love to read people's UPG, but through the lens of like, okay, I'm matching this with my practice. So this, here's what I'm taking. I'm not relying on someone's UPG. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I think, 
I think that's the thing when you approach somebody and UPG means, um, unverified personal gnosis. So what this is, is your personal practice. You didn't, you didn't read this in a book. I find some, nothing more fascinating than reading people's UPG. Like I love it. It's my favorite thing to read because that's where the real art comes in. Now, UPG to me is not inventing a fucking God. Okay. Like not being like, but like some people on TikTok and being like, I, I discovered this God and she has a message Earth goddess. I discovered this goddess and she has a message for everyone out there. That's how you start a cult. Yeah. That's how you embody the colonizer of your ancestors. I mean, it, is it possible? Is it possible to discover new gods? Yes. But like, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. Uh, also there's trickster beings. Like, God, are there so many? How, how are you, are, are you sure it's like, and maybe, and then you're like, what you're doing, that could be dangerous in itself is because you're, you're interacting with a trickster and the trickster's being like, I'm a fucking God, bitch. And then you're like <laughs> telling people on the internet to like, give uh, offerings and things to this like trickster mm-hmm. you know yeah, so it would be really beautiful if people just go back to sharing right there's no necessarily you don't have to teach you don't have to make profit from this you don't have to do all those things in order for you yeah. to seem witchy you don't have to have a witchy store you don't have to have a witchy product or service in order for you to exist as a witch, you can just be, you can just share your real life if you wanted to. Um, I love when people share their personal stories. I mean, that's what we do, right? This is a love that we have, Mm -hmm. but when you start creating stories and then having people believe them and then people, um, bringing that into their own practices, when you have no real, resource of where that came from it's it's dangerous and you brought up the you know also books right just because you read it in a book doesn't mean it's right or correct yeah mm-hmm. there's so many shitty books and so many authors like us right to for also for the purpose of um selling books because it's like a catchy or uh or it's in um or it's recycled information from like you know other books so it doesn't make it real doesn't make it right Um, so don't like trust all the books you read. You have to see where the books come from, who wrote them, where they're getting their sources from and so on. Yeah. Like the bibliography is the most important part. It is. It for sure is. But even, even so, like, I feel like if you want to work on being kind of like, so I'm sure there's people out there that are like now sitting with this podcast and they're like, how do I know it's a God and not really like a trickster spirit, <laughs> you know, that I've been communicating with. And what, what I find is like when a lot of these people are like online, um, coming forth with all of this weird ass shit, uh, a lot of these, like, and this is just my personal opinion. A lot of these, entities will play on your ego Mm. you know so if you're doing the work and i'm not like one of those people that thinks that you shouldn't have ego it's part of the human experience um but the ego can spiral out of control so if you're keeping your ego in check then it makes it harder for like you know things to get in your ear and be like oh my god and you're my vessel. <laughs> That's fucking weird shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need you to spread my message. Like, I, I, I don't. No. <laughs> no, you just don't. You don't mess around with things like that. You gotta be. Very you know, careful. this is really real. It's. I just saw a post the other day of someone saying, um, like, New Age witches. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's no such thing as curses or hexes or evil spirits and crystals and positive affirmations can change that and clear it out and block it from your life alone and then it has underneath it says like experienced witches rolling their eyes this is real magic 
magic is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not all positive. It does open gateways. It does open realms. It does open um, portals within you. And you just, all you have, I know it sounds scary too, but just be careful. Take your time. Be mindful. Don't just do things to do them. Ask yourself the questions. Why am I doing this this way? Why am I practicing this way? Why am I using these tools? How am I connected to these tools? Yes. Why am I believing in this deity or this God or goddess? Why am I believing in anything at all? You have to question yourself and start building a relationship with what you're doing and integrating things that actually connect with you because it is powerful. Magic is real. It is powerful. And the only time that it seems fake and that it seems like, you know, that it's not working is when you're not connected to it in the right way. So for me, like when I'm, uh, I found that certain things I've done and made, I've tapped in, I find like when I'm creative, sometimes I tap into these divine energies. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that these divine beings or energies are coming to me and they're like, like whispering in my ear, telling me what I need to do. I find that I'm just in alignment with that energy And it's more of like a co-creation in working with that energy. It definitely is. I, it's like, yeah, it's like you tapped into the right frequency and now you receive the messages in that frequency. You know what I'm saying? Rather than somebody's calling you directly. It's like you interfered with a phone line and these are the messages that you're just you're just pulling in like and airwaves in a way to kind of back that up. Um, Lorraine and I, we work on a lot of projects together and we talk about this all the time where we get these bursts of inspiration when we tap into source and then we get so excited about it. And then we're like, Oh my God, we can't really work on this until like three months from now. Right. And then yeah. her and I will be like, fuck, it's going to be passed on to someone else. I truly, we believe that when you tap into source, it's like this cauldron of creative ideas and inspirations, right? And if mm-hmm. you don't grab onto it and say to that idea or inspiration, okay, I got you. I'm going to work with you. We're going to do this. It will go back in and allow someone else to tap into it. That's why in life, if you've ever had like an idea and then you didn't follow through, you see someone else has it, like the same thing. And they create it with it. And that's why I'm very careful when I tap into source. And I'm very mindful that if I really, truly believe that one of those things are aligned with me, I fully take it on. And not everything you tap into means that it's for you also. So you can politely put it back and be like, no, just pass it on to someone else. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of like weird things that happen in the creative space. Also, like just to even flip that, sometimes you'll deal with these creative energies and like not even realize that's what you're doing. Yeah. Like for example, uh so I the first time I stayed in Asheville, I had a dream about Faunus, the god, which I've never really like that's not like in my bias to be like this God is, is my cup of tea or whatever. Right. Yeah. So then I had this dream. Okay. And I start researching. Cause I'm like, okay, that's very fascinating. I want to like know what this is about. So I find out that like Faunus's holiday is Lupercalia. It's Valentine's day, essentially January 15th. And one of the offerings for Lupercalia is blood and milk. And I have a product named Blood and Milk. And this is just one of those ideas that I've kind of like, I woke up one morning. I remember like when I, when I had this idea and, and also the interesting thing is about Faunus is Faunus will appear in dreams. Like this is a thing that happens. This is a thing that other people have said they experience. And that's kind of how you can like verify 
with yourself. Okay. Let me see like what other people have experienced, but yeah, he's got like a reputation for dropping into the dream world. So I remember the first time I conceptualized blood and milk, waking up, opening my eyes and going blood and milk. That's the product I'm making. It's going to be blood orange and coconut milk. And it's going to be called blood and milk. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Interesting. And then I, I've since had like another dream about Faunus and very interesting. I went to the Biltmore last summer. Faunus and Pan are kind of like tied together. There's a huge like, like Pan tapestry in the Biltmore. And that's where I had my first like actual dream in Asheville about Faunus. I can't wait to go to Asheville. You talk about it all the time. It's really such a magical place. I need to go. That's so interesting. I really do like the dream world um, connections. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited about that. I just, you know, I'm a publisher now and it's Spirit Bound Press. And we just got like the the branding back and I shared on social media. And last night um, I had a dream about exactly what I had to name a particular branch that we're creating. Um, okay, I'll just say it. So <laughs> I wanted to create um, a space for writers and aspiring writers that's like literature, dark academia, learning how to write, finding your writing style, decolonizing your writing and the way that you research and you produce books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was struggling with what to name it. And the name was just like, oh, like this beautiful woman who I don't know I haven't even looked it up because it just happened she was holding a pile of books she looks so prestigious and so beautiful um long blonde hair and when she turns when she turns to the right her hair is long and blonde when she turns to the left is long and black and she mm-hmm. kind of she came towards me and she whispered she's like she told me the name it was literally literary craft society so she gave me I the love name. that and I bought it on, I, I went and bought the domain. I bought like the rights. We already have it in copyright, like in the process for that. So I told Lorraine and she's like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we have, it's like sometimes when you're just allowing yourself to tap into these beautiful creative spaces, like they, they're very interested in working with you. And right now I feel like since we're decolonizing a lot and we're dismantling a lot of the systems and programs and businesses that are not working for us and we're rebuilding like I'm re- we were rebuilding the publishing industry in the in the way that we want to these beautiful entities and guides and angels whatever you want to call them they're excited they're like hell yes let me help you or let me like speed up you finding the name that you would have named it anyway maybe 2 weeks from now so i really do believe like now if you start tapping into um, that source that you're going to find that they're more willing and able and more urgent with bringing you creativity and helping you on your journey. This is why Mandrake is so important. <laughs> mm-hmm. This even happens like with my, uh, with my staff, they, they know that like, if I'm, I'll like ruminate on an idea and I'll be like, I don't know what it is, but it's going to come to me mm-hmm. when it needs to come to me. I'll know what it is, you yes. know? Yes. I love, that's the best. I love when Lorraine reminds me, I'll be like, Oh my God, we need an artist. And, or we need this idea how we're going to do this. She's like, remember, just breathe. And it's going to come. And it usually just, it comes, it comes, it It always does what you need comes. You just have to have that faith. You have to come to a point in your life where just like, okay, let me not let worry be in the way of the messages coming through because that's what worry does, right? Worry, fear. It just builds these walls where the divine is like, I, you know, you're making it a little tough for me to get through these walls you're building. So when you learn to bring them down, they're more able and capable of communicating with you. Yeah. You have to be vulnerable. Yes. All right. Well, let's get into Mandrake. Um, This is a very, very interesting one. And I think it's definitely sparking so much conversation about personal practice because it is so heavily used throughout uh, so many different practices. 
yes. over time that it just kind of like sparks magical talk. Mm-hmm. And it's, if you haven't seen the mandrake, the root is kind of like shaped like a, a human, you know, that it's the, it's the Harry Potter one where they pull it out and it screams. Yeah. Interesting enough. I saw the documentary and I believe if I, maybe I misunderstood her, but the way I understood it was she didn't know that mandrakes look like that in folklore that she just came up with it on her own, which kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I mean, she's very problematic to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really like a Potter person. Honestly, I like tried to figure out like what my, animal or whatever was on their website when that was a thing and it was like a fish and I was like fuck this test (laughs) (laughs) I'm never never doing this shit ever again (laughs) (laughs) that's like me finding out uh, what is it the Japanese animal mine was a rooster I believe I was like fuck a rooster that's not very (laughs) badass there's okay, this guy. It's just that we have this, I guess, per- perception of these animals, but fish are really powerful. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, it was like a salmon. I was like swimming upstream. I was like, cool, whatever. No, <laughs> not cool. You you mean to tell me people are getting these like beautiful stags? And I got a fucking salmon. <laughs> the audacity! <laughs> I can't imagine. You got to be fucking joking. Yeah, that would happen to me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this website is wrong. This is all wrong. Let's do it Goodbye again. forever. Yeah. <laughs> and then people are always like, oh, what house are you belonging to? And I was like, I don't know. I guess like Gryffindor. I said that it was on the Serpent cast. Shout out to um, Annabelle and Sophie. And we were talking about it. And I was like, I, the, I think Gryffindor, if any house. I know that's like cheesy or whatever, but I'm like kind of like a bro like weird moral things or whatever. I don't know. I love them all. I, I, I do like Slytherin more because of the darker spells and herbology, but I also like Gryffindor. I mean, we have a piece of us that goes into all of them, I think. Yeah. Um, especially like Hufflepuff. But yeah, I think that the, the story needs to be rewritten and I really want to write my novel. Um, and I feel like I haven't started it yet because of all the imagery and storylines that are coming in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like we said, it's going to come. It's going to come. And I want to make sure it's not, it's, it's diverse and inclusive because that's who I am. Right. So yes. it's a hard time. I mean, like, how could it not be? I know it will be. <laughs> that would be weird if it was. If it wasn't like I would. Um. So we have here that mandrake increases wealth, uh, fertility, and yeah, induces psychic visions, helps with the astral, those types of things. Yeah, it's very protective. The way that I work with um, mandrake is for its mainly for its protective qualities. Um, like I had written in my book that it is often used for like sympathetic magic. Um, mandrake, because it resembles the human body, is used like a voodoo doll a lot or just a doll in general to mm-hmm. cause harm and no matter what practices that you're doing. Um, but from channeling and working with the mandrake, the mandrake does not like to be part of intentions that are not to protect or heal. So from my understanding and from working with mandrake, if you're using mandrake in those ways, it is going to come back at you. It's going to backfire. Very interesting for a poison. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing, the interesting part with this though, is that, it will work. It's kind of like you're forcing it against its own will. So mm-hmm. this is why the mandrake will hold like this. It's like, and, and, re- and have you face consequences as well, because it's so powerful and so magical that for some reason, the way that you work with it, 
it can't just say no, it, it, it will happen. Th- those intentions and whatever you're doing with the mandrake will work, but just know that the mandrake will not be happy and the mandrake will make sure that it comes back around at you in some shape or form. Just know you're like the Joker trying to get Batman to commit murder. Mm. Um, so it, uh, yeah, I definitely see that it definitely has a protective thing. It, I found this thing that in the 15th century, a German manuscript listed the spell for abusive husbands using the mandrake. And basically you take the mandrake and you speak to it. And then you say, thou good mandrake in a sad mood, I call upon you to force my man so mean, never more to hurt me. And it's supposed to stop abusive husbands. So that's very interesting because with the, my first interaction with the mandrake, it was in the cemetery. And that's when I was going through a lot of trauma in my childhood I learned that before pulling a mandrake out, let your tears fall over it. When you pull the mandrake, um, shove it in your mouth. Kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) When you pull it out, tell it why you gave it your tears, and it will scream a heartbreaking, shattering scream that will break through the existence of the reason why you were having those tears in the first place. And then place it back in the ground so the screaming part for me it's not as deadly as what they make it seem um with these stories it does scream though but it's kind of like this you know like anime when they 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 have these force energies that they put in their hands and then they Mm -hmm. push it out you know my kids all the time so it's kind of dragon ball z Exactly. So the mandrake kind of does that. It lets this ball of energy just spread out. And uh-huh. honestly, this is why I, I found like the origin of where this um, misconception of mandrake came from. Um, I honestly, be- I now know, and I do believe that the stories that they tell you about the mandrake and screaming and how dangerous it is, is to keep you from working with that energy, with that ball yeah. of energy. That ball of energy okay. can break through anything. I find this so interesting because they say when you harvest it that you're supposed to draw a circle around it with a sword. Incense is to be burned. Incantations are to be recited. And then a rope is tied to a dog's tail yeah. and tied to the root and then it's supposed to pull it out because it causes death, like a death curse. That so this way the death curse gets passed on to the dog and not you. Interesting enough, if you're not the one who pulls it out, the energy and the magical properties won't work for you. I found this 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 in- interesting this circular thing because one of the most popular. Um, One of the most popular paintings of Circe Uh is of Circe drawing the magic circle. Yeah. And also this uh, mandrake connects to Circe's story because it's said that she used it to inflame Odysseus's men's desire because it's an aphrodisiac before turning them into swine. She used mandrake. Ooh, interesting. That is... Yeah, the Greeks also used it um, as an aphrodisiac. Um, they seeped it in wine or vinegar, um, and they it's known as the love apple of the ancients, and it's associated with the Greek goddess of love, Aphrodite. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, because <laughs> so, like I said, I've never seen it before in real life. So I got to googling, and I I searched uh, where does mandrake grow? Okay, and the first result was a drug deal for sex in the Bible. Whoops. So, <laughs> so obviously, I mean, I had to click this link. Like, how can I not with a headline like that? A drug deal for sex in the Bible. So I was like, okay, let me let me check this out. And then it just like it it referred me to Genesis 30, 14 through 17. And the story goes like this. And Reuben went in 
in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, is it a small matter that thou has taken my husband? And wouldst thou like to take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for my son's mandrakes. And Jacob came out the field in the evening and Leah went out to meet him and said, thou must come in unto me for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night and God hearkened unto Leah and she conceived and bare Jacob, the fifth son. Yes. And that's when Rachel wanted to harvest and have the mandrake for herself. Yeah, so Leah bought sex from Rachel's husband Mm -hmm. with her son's mandrakes. Mm -hmm. Ain't that some shit? It is. This sex work in the Bible. No, but this whole story, I I know the whole story. Um, I think it's Genesis 30, what is it, 14, I think. And it's just disturbing. The whole thing is disturbing. The whole story is disturbing, but mandrakes in this is the same thing where it's helping with conception and bringing, um, helping her bear children. Wait, why is it disturbing? Okay. So <laughs> the story of Rachel Lee and Jacob, uh-huh. um, Cause I'm not very like Bible centric. So I don't know like what the context is. I just looked at this as like, okay, so Rachel's got this husband Leah wants to. Well, there it's Jacob has like multiple women. Like it's Rachel and Lee. Um, I, and she, he has like a bunch of children with Lee. And so maids. So over here, it is clear from the chapter regarding the birth of Jacob's children and his marriages to Lee and Rachel and to maid servants. So it was, he was just having sex with everybody. Um, well, she, she, she was the one who bought the sex from Jacob. Well, how that happened though, was that her son was the one that harvested Reuben. He, he, he went into the re um, he comes from the wheat harvest and Reuben finds mandrake plants and brings them to his mother Lee because she uses it for this reason to bear children. And Rachel sees the mandrakes and is so set on having them that she trades away a night with Jacob and allows Lee to be with Jacob um, for a chance to conceive in exchange for them. So she's like, yeah, whatever. I want to trip balls tonight. So like fuck my husband or whatever. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's just like a whole whole scandal, the whole thing. Very, very holy. Very holy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you got the drugs? Sick. Yep. My husband's out in the field, bro. And the the way I... Drug deal. The way you read it, though, is like because because it continues from there and it says like, you know, during the wheat harvest, she saw how um, Reuben, which is Leah's son, brings her mandrakes. Then she's like, "Uh uh-huh, that's how this bitch is fucking having so many children. So I want some of that. So she that's where she saw or it doesn't really say how she figured out the association of it. She just knows that she was harvest. They were harvesting the mandrake, bringing it to the mother, and she was bearing children. And she just knew that she had to have it in order for her to bear children. It didn't work. It didn't work out for her. So the whole point of the story was to tell people that the mandrake wasn't the answer. It was your trust and faith in God. Ah, okay. And that's how it actually ends. Sorry, guys. Whoever knows the stories. Um, yeah, we're just untangling this. Yeah, so it is, the whole point was like this journey of her believing that the mandrake was the one causing it, but the text switches it up. Like, you know, it wasn't, you have to just believe in God and God is the one that's going to provide you. But it was the mandrakes though. (laughs) The mandrakes do have um, a stimulant to, with for fertility and conception in barren women. Um, It just didn't work for Rachel. And that could have been for a number of reasons, you know, she just probably just couldn't bear children, period. Um, there could have been a number of different health reasons for that, but 
Lee had uh, more children and she was the one that ended up not having any. Yeah. And then see, here's where I get confused because I have another rendition of the story. And it says during wheat harvest, Reuben went out to the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought back to his mother, Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your. Oh, so this is this is swapped. No, Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Yeah. But she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? You're probably reading right from the passage. But yeah, and then she did ask for those mandrakes. Mm -hmm. And then she said, very well, he could sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So wait, so Rachel stole her husband? That's how your story sounds. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not how it is. And then it says, so when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Interesting. Interesting because he was married to both of them. Yeah, I, I I don't know. This is just my isolated thing. I just find it interesting that... Um, a, there's a uh, prostitution in the Bible and B, that it's like the prostitution of not like normally you think, OK, prostitution, it's going to be like prostitution of a woman. And no, it's it's Jacob. Again, he's just out there. Yeah. Jacob's the asshole. Like they're making a scene like, oh, poor Jacob. He loved Rachel and he's forced to have sex with Leah and two maid servants. Shut the fuck up. Like, I hate this. Is He has a choice and he's sleeping around and not caring about anybody's feelings um, and making himself the victim in this. Well, the Bible's making him the victim in this, which is concerning. What a confusing story. <laughs> Very. Very. Um, there's a conspiracy theory that Jesus actually did not die when he was crucified, but was instead high on the mandrake plant. I heard this too. I, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's also rumored that the mandrake was giving to people who were crucified. And then I was like, wait, how many people have been crucified? And apparently thousands. No, a lot popular. of people. It wasn't just him. But the thing is that the mandrake, when consumed, it knocks you the fuck out. They've, yeah. they've used it for um, like surgery. So you wouldn't feel like back in the day, right? The Greeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. read that. The Greeks are crazy, bro. They they use all the like the poison stuff, but they used it to before you underwent surgery because it did knock you out so long that it was like you wouldn't feel it. Um, so yeah, I've heard that. I've actually heard that from a, a Cuban priest himself um, while he was drinking. I was an altar server at one point, um, and he was like, you know, people don't talk about it, but. I don't think he really died. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, oh my God. So yeah, we were, we were like young, young group of boys and girls. And, you know, we grew up in, in, in low income communities and our places to stay and kind of find faith were like the churches. So I, I went to the church. Um, I actually, I know I told this story before. I'm actually the one that fought for girls to be able to be on the altar and be an altar server. Mm-hmm. Um, since I was, you know, it's been allowed, but what episode was that? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I'm going to remember that There's one. There's just so many episodes, <laughs> <laughs> but we would sit back there while the priests were drinking and like just telling us all this stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, okay, this is interesting conversation. I'm so intrigued by Christian conspiracies now. Like I've never even like thought about that. Like there's conspiracies about Jesus. Like I've never, that's wild. And I just like to like read conspiracy theories. Cause I like think that they're so indicative of like the human psyche they're just so fascinating. So now I'm going to have to like deep dive into that. That's interesting. I did find uh, a firsthand account of somebody taking a, a mandrake. If you would like, I can read it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I found this firsthand account and it's a student nurse. And she says the taste 
Absolutely disgusting. Trust your intuition regarding dose. Pour a load into a saucepan, add water, boil, and simmer for 20 minutes. Strain, add a generous amount of honey, and have a piece of fruit ready for afterwards. I don't suggest any of this, by the way. This is not endorsed by the podcast. This is just... What's a load? You're going to kill yourself. What? Yeah, you can literally die. So don't do this. You will literally die. Um, and then she says, be prepared to go for a pretty violent shit at some point. You need to have a healthy constitution before taking this. Uh, senses are heightened. There's a feeling of paranoia, edginess, nervousness, urgency too, like something is about to happen. Yeah, I had it. Your body yeah. going through a nervous break sound because you're poisoning it. Yeah, she said, I had it one Saturday night. It kicks in suddenly, say three hours later. That doesn't sound very suddenly. No. <laughs> um, I had this sudden urge to go and see the late show of Sleepy Hollow before wandering around my mostly deserted halls of residence, feeling like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. But next morning, a most pleasant hangover feeling, all nice and relaxing, and a feeling that almost anything is, impo- is possible. Yeah, because you just literally lived through it like in the world is this someone like real like giving this advice i no, i think it's just like a first-hand account of somebody taking it oh my goodness yeah don't they were like a college kid that was like i'm gonna i'm gonna trip balls this saturday night and then they uh you know instead they they like shit in the bathroom and then walked around like a zombie i guess oh my god <laughs> so Mandrake throughout history. I want to speak more on that. Um, let's see. So according to Anthony John Carter, who wrote in the journal of the Royal Society of Medicine in 2003, said that med- um, medieval folks carried Mandrake roots around as good luck charms, hoping the plant would grant them not only wealth and the power to control their destiny, but able to control the destinies of others. And the Catholic church obviously wasn't too happy about it. And what they're saying is that the rumors of the mandrake being like this evil thing that you can't pick it because you'll die and it's, it gives you like a bad luck and all of that. It came because there was such a need for it that everybody wanted it because of how it was working magically for all people um, that they became, that these rumors started to come in. In fact, that even Shakespeare wrote about it and kind of solidified um, the visualization, the vinylization, how do you say villainization? Villainization. Yeah, yeah. Of the Mandrake, um, for 700 more years after him and also John Webster. Um, so even Joan of Arc at her trial in 1431, she was accused of habitually carrying one, which she denied, but they really didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to try her cause you know, she was different. She wore man's clothes um, mm-hmm. they just, you know, men and, and, and their ways did not like her. Um, but they tried her. The fact that you can trial someone for that, for carrying Mandrake, because they believed so heavenly in its magical properties. Yes. Well, it did become like a very highly contested thing. Like the Germans used to carve effigies out of the root and then eventually, this was pretty common. And then in the 16th century, if you had one, you could be sentenced to death. Yes. Yes. And then they just started creating these stories so that people would not use them anymore. Be scared to use them. Yeah. Or work with them. Work with them. That's a better word. You work with plants. You don't use them. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, like I also, I think we, we touched on this with a walnut episode a little bit is when, people back in the day if something like poisoned you or was like a high allergen like they would say the the walnut tree was cursed and had dark magic probably because they didn't understand why somebody would just go into anaphylactic shock Mm. you know yep so some people would take it and be fine the mandrake and then some people die and they would so you're going to have a lot of like folklore around it being you know dark magic and things like that you have to understand the context of the time too like when people would get have strokes and stuff or like certain ailments of the body they would say it was like elf shot 
and that elves were like shooting arrows at you. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like a lot of theories of why these things would happen. And when the science isn't there, then you have people that are like, it's the devil, it's cursed, you know, instead of like, it's literally poison. No, for sure. I mean, this this is like true in all of our history, right? Even with who they called witches, for instance, if you were someone helping someone birth a child and the child died while you were helping, you were a witch and you were evil and they hung you or they burned you. It even happens today. It even happens today. Like, I, I listen, whether you're pro or anti-vaccine or whatever, you have everybody being like, it's the demon's mark. It's the devil. Like, <laughs> demons will be in your dreams if you take the vaccine. Oh man, the vaccine and and all of the conspiracy theories are just like crazy. And now the church, the church and religion is getting involved. Like it's a faith thing, but it's not. Jesus has nothing to do with you having to wear a mask or getting the vaccine. Do not involve Jesus. Leave him alone. They're bringing Jesus into this, and I just saw. uh, Honestly, it's not. It's just natural for people to do this. They've been doing this forever forever it's totally normal and then when you understand the context of history and understand that people who that like everything literally everything that has a change or effect on the body uh can be chalked up to some supernatural force yeah did you see matt um matt's post on twitter he posted i don't know how to pronounce his last name it's a-u-r-y-n Mm-hmm. He wrote Psychic Witch. Um, he posted just today, uh, um, Jesus is my face mask, 2021 faith-based wellness calendar. And it has a man facing away from you. All you see is the back of his hand, head. And the hands of a miniature little person wrapping around, like if it's the, the I guess, the, the string from the mask. And uh-huh. like holes in his palms, like if it was Jesus. And everyone's like, okay, but where's the body of Jesus in his mouth? Like, <laughs> oh my I don't God. understand. It's just, it's turning into something that's, it's just out of control. It's, it's, it's not really it political, but this is how it's been done since the beginning of time. Right. Where yeah. So this. you can see the crossover in, in modern day life and, and really like you're allowed to believe whatever you want to believe where I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it, but just know historically back in the day people will be like uh, very suspicious of things like things may very well be bad for you if if that's what it comes to be but like it's not because of demons right no it's not they blame it on something they have to blame it on something yeah it has to go it's just it's fascinating to read the history and go back all the way back in time and learn about it being elves and demons and these things and then come drop into 2022 and you're like, literally nothing has changed. <laughs> no, it's true. It's just, it's still trickling into our present life. And it's a little, scary. I think, I think that's the interesting thing about Mandrake is that it really like shows us our relationship with the divine um and humanity like the relationship there what is the relationship and that's kind of like why we got into the talk in the beginning so i don't know if you're if you're ready to wrap it up but i do i do have to get my kid (laughs) but i want to wrap this up with mandrake in general it it can work with you you don't have to ingest it. The energy is so powerful that even just writing, say, a magical note of intention and burying it right next to a mandrake is powerful enough in itself that its energy, it will take it into account and help you manifest that. Or really- I almost feel like it would respect you more for doing that yeah. rather than like taking it out of the ground. Yeah, it likes to, the mandrake grows underground for a reason. It loves yeah. to dwell in the shadow in itself, in the inner universe. So use that Use that for any plant in particular. See how it grows, how it functions, how it likes to be, where it likes to be, like, say, in, like, direct light or in shadow, where it grows, things like that. The mandrake loves to grow underneath in the shadow, in the in dwelling, 
So anything like shadow work, anything that you want to release, like I shared about the tears, crying over it, um, it will work with you in that way. Um, as long as it's not something negative towards others, just work with it for yourself. Yep. So we got to wrap it up. We got to go pick up our kids. So you can find me on Instagram at stay at home, witch, at which baby soap on TikTok at which baby soap at Chelsea, the witch, where can we find you uh, all over the place at I am Julia Diaz. That's it. Okay. Uh, well, have a great day. Please rate and review the podcast. It really helps out a lot and gets a lot of, a lot more eyes on the podcast. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.